Amen. That's our prayer this morning. So last week we talked about being devoted to prayer. And so I begin to think, what if we, what if we looked for the next few weeks into what are some of the major prayers in Scripture? And this obviously is one of them, one of the, one of the crucial pieces of prayer in the, in the New Testament of the Bible where Jesus gives this prayer to his people at a time where he had, his ministry has begun, he started to uh, heal and to touch and to, to change lives, and he gathers all these people, they come up on this mountainside, he goes and he te- starts to teach them, and this is one of the things that he teaches them. So I wanted to look at this prayer today, but before we really jump into that, I, I want I want to pray. I want to pray for what is going on over in Iraq. As a follower of Jesus Christ in America, we really have no idea what it's like to suffer for our faith. And this is overwhelming. What's going on over there? People who claim the name of Jesus are being confronted with this, this, this decision. Either you choose to convert and say and deny Jesus or die. We, had, we didn't have to make that decision this morning, did we? We just had to choose whether we were going to get up or not. <laughs> and we were going to come. And you can be thankful that our church service starts at 1030. I, I talked to a brother yesterday. He has a 730 in the morning service. Can everybody just say amen that we don't have a 730 in the morning service? <laughs> It might get to the point where we grow out of this room uh, like we are already. We might have to do 7.30. But you're like, I'm not coming if you do. I'll just pray for you while I'm in bed. But, and I would appreciate that. But the reality is, is there's people all over the world, not just in this place that we're talking in Iraq, but there are people who are confronted with the decision, do I choose Jesus or do I die? And so we must realize that. We must recognize that that's going on in our world, and we must pray for them. But not just them. Jesus teaches in his word that we also should pray for our enemies. And can we even find it in our heart to pray for the people who are beheading children because of their faith? And as a parent, you're like, no, there's no way. But yet Jesus commands us to do that. Because the greatest thing that could happen to those people is that they would get confronted with the living God, that Jesus would approach them in such a way that where they cannot deny his the reality of who he is and they have to fall on their knees before him and confess christ as their savior i mean truly we want them to be saved we want them to know jesus and you're like i don't know if i could do that or not but we are called to do that and so this um this quote from a uh, this is a tweet from beth moore who is a very famous bible teacher who's the best she's a lady doing the bible study that's for the ladies that were trying to get a group going for that. And this is what Beth Moore, uh, she tweeted this out yesterday. You guys all know what tw- tweeting is, right? Twitter. Anyone, if you're not there yet, let me just raise your hand. We'll have a little class afterwards. I'm not great at t- tweeting either. I'm just, but uh, this lady, she, she, this is what she says. She says, I keep staring at a blank screen, wishing I could speak a word of hope amid the world's horrors. I have nothing. Only Jesus. And then she says, he will be back. So Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we pray that you would come quickly. If you're not going to come in person, Jesus, would you come in spirit to these people who are trapped on a mountainside, just holding on to their life, holding on to their faith? 
And Jesus, would you come in spirit to these people who have got so much hate and anger in their heart that they would do such a thing. And, and the crazy thing is, God, is they think they're doing, they think they're being obedient to you by doing these things. God, I pray that you would um, change their mind. Would you transform their mind? Lord, we pray for our enemies. We pray for those who, who hate us, who hate what it is that we believe. Bless those who persecute us. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. We ask for your hand of protection to be upon these followers, that they would, God, that their faith would be stronger now than it's ever been before. And then I think about the culture that we live in. It may be that we never have to face exactly the same circumstance. But the truth is, is there may be a day where we have to decide, are we going to follow Jesus or not? Maybe even this morning, Lord, we're here. And we're faced with the decision, are we going to follow Jesus or not? What does that look like in our, in our reality, in our life right here, right now? So we just give all this to you, Lord. We, we don't know what to say for sure, but we do ask that you would come. In Jesus' name, amen. So much in the same way as Beth Moore did this in this particular time in her life, I, I, I sat all week long thinking about, okay, what it... What is it that I'm going to preach on? I mean, every week I get a new slate, a clean slate. Like, what am I going to preach on this week? I only get one chance. We only get one chance to be together. Do you realize we will never be exactly like this again? Now, maybe if you're all come back next week, we'll sit in different chairs. Maybe it'll be a little bit different. But, but the odds are we'll never be like this again. And so I figure I only get one time. So I want to make it good. But not just good for entertainment's sake. I want to make it good for life-changing sake. Like when it, it does something inside of you, it, it changes who you are. I had a friend of mine text me this morning, a pastor friend of mine, and he said, preach like this is the last time you'll ever get to preach. So hold on, all right? Put on your seatbelts if you have one. Preach like you'll never get a chance to preach again. And I needed that reminder, because sometimes we get, just kind of get in a routine, and I, gotta, I gotta need to preach this message, I hope everybody likes it, I hope they learn something from it. And, and, and truly, it really comes down to this, it's really not about whether you like it or not. You know, it's about what it's doing inside of you. Does it promote change? And when you walk out of this door, are you different? And will you live differently? Does the community look differently? Does your family look different as a result of what God's Word says? And so then I had a friend of mine from high school. It's his birthday today. We celebrated birthdays all, all the time growing up. He gave us our first online donation. It was exciting. I got a message this week. Hey, we got a donation from Arizona. I was like, yes, awesome. And I said, I bet you it's my friend. And sure enough, it was my best friend from high school. And he prayed for me this morning. And he encouraged me. And I want to share with you what he prayed for me today. Because last week, you know, we talked about how... It, when, prayer and if don't wait like if someone says i need prayer like just pray now like don't wait till later on like just go ahead and do it now so it was cool because we had a story where that happened right after the service so put people putting in an application right away there was a lady who said you know pray for um my husband's cousin a young man's life cut short uh just untimely death and and so this young man's mom said yeah we'll be praying for you 
And then, well, wait a minute. And this young man said, Mom, Brady said to pray now. So I like that. I like that. You know, the young kids will teach us. And so let's just pray right now. So they gathered around and they prayed. You know how many opportunities I've had this week to put that into practice? Numerous. And so I, and I, have, to, so I have to like practice what I preach, right? And like, oh man, I got to pray right now. I don't have a choice. Like I told myself I had to do this. So, so oh, it's a little uncomfortable or whatever, but let's just pray right now. And there's been some just like, I don't know, some attack or oppression upon families this week. Crazy stuff. Like uh, the family in our community, uh, Tina Zubek passed. What a terrible, terrible thing, you know, cancer is. And she struggled. She fought it for a long time, and she lost her battle. And then so these people come alongside her, and it's just it's a tough thing in our community. Uh, other families going through more, just difficult situations, in our, just in our group alone. So there was opportunities to pray right now. Right, right then. So my friend, he, uh, he messaged me because I told him thank you for this gift. and told him happy birthday. And he said, are you, hey, are you preaching right now? I was like, no, silly. <laughs> I mean, like, well, I am now. <laughs> I said, in about 30 minutes, he said, oh, well, in that case, and this is what he prayed. He says, Heavenly Father, be with Brady today and fill him with your Holy Spirit. Give him the words to speak to touch the people that, they would, that these words would convict them, convince them, and give them courage to live sold out for you. May the calling community church become a beacon in this dark world. May people see, fill, and live in your light there. Dear Jesus, may your blood be over and around Brady and his family. Protect them from the darkness that your light would reflect brightly from them. I love you, Father, and ask all of this in the name of Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. This is a young man when, he was, when we were in eighth grade. He was solely convinced that the Bible was just made up by people just to make money. He, he was not a Christian. He did not believe it at all. He was, made, matter of fact, he was almost like belligerent against it. But then he spent a lot of time with our family. Matter of fact, our senior year of high school, he came to live with us. And the thing that, that, that um, caught his attention the most was the way we loved each other. Was our home perfect? <laughs> no, <laughs> it was not perfect. But there was perfect love there in the name of the, of the, of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit because we went to church and we, my mom prayed and, and loved this boy even though he was ornery. Um, but he saw the love of Jesus in our home and that changed him. And he met a woman who was a believer in Jesus and he gave his life to Jesus and he's radical for the Lord now. It's amazing. He actually came and spoke at one of our youth camps years ago. Uh, it was really cool to see the transformation in his life. Like, when my friend repented, when he changed his mind, I mean, he was all in, like hardcore, all in. It was awesome. Speaking of that word, let's, let me, let's look at Scripture uh, for just a minute. Look at um, the book of Matthew, chapter 4. To set up the Lord's Prayer, we have to look at what was going on at the time. What was Jesus doing? Well, Jesus has, is coming out of a time where he was tempted in the desert, he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And one of the most obvious uh, passages in the Bible that you could ever run across is in um, Matthew chapter 4, where it says Jesus was tested in the wilderness. It says in verse 2, Matthew 4, verse 2, um, some of my friends said, Brady, give us a little time to find the text, because sometimes we're searching for it, searching for it, and I've already gone, just <laughs> blew on past it, all right? So, is everybody there? <laughs> All right, ready to go? Okay. 
And I'll just, I'll just warn you, I could not find myself to write a script this week. I just couldn't do it. Like, I could not write down. I just couldn't gather my thoughts. I thought, you know what? I think I'm just supposed to preach. I'm just supposed to preach. And so in Matthew chapter 4, I thought this was just kind of funny. It says in verse 2, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Okay, you know what he was hungry means in the Greek? Duh. Duh, he was hungry. He hadn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights. It's like, really? The uh, the person who wrote this, thought this is going to be funny later on. Let's just write he was hungry. Because, yeah, he was hungry because Jesus was, was, the, was a man and he was God. He was, he was able to understand what we go through. He, he knows what it's like to be hungry. He was hungry. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And then he, he was tempted by the devil. He went through this testing, this time of testing. And then he begins to preach. Like that was his preparation for preaching, for going into the ministry. Don't let that scare you if you feel called to do God's work. <laughs> Do I have to go into the desert and fast for 40 days and 40 nights? Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. So Jesus was tempted. He was tested. And then in verse 17, it says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach. And this was his message. Repent. Change your mind. Change the purpose. Change the direction of your life. Because the kingdom of heaven the rule of heaven, God's right way to live, the way to do it is here. It's near. It's right here. Jesus basically saying, here I am. This is how you should live. Jesus was God's word in flesh. Like Jesus said, if you want to know how to live, watch me. I'm going to live it out for you. I'm going to fulfill the law. I'm going to do everything that the people could not do. I'm going to show you that you can do it through me, and I'm going to teach you how to live. Jesus was, if you know what the Torah is, was like the first five books of the Bible, the way to live, that they, the Old Testament, the people that lived in the Old Testament, the way they were supposed to live. Jesus said, I am the Torah. Follow me. And so then he begins to lay out how you should live, and he gives this incredible teaching on, um, or the teaching on the Beatitudes and those kinds of things. We're not going to go through all that today, but he begins to lay out, this is how you should live. And so then we get over to Matthew chapter 6. And this is, this is all really, really good stuff. If you want to know how, how does Jesus think about certain things, how am I supposed to live, you can read this, and it'll give you just a, a map of how life should be. And so in Matthew chapter 6, I want to focus in on verse 5 where it says, it's talking about prayer because that's what we were, that's what we were discussing last week. And it says, and when you pray, basically, not if you pray, because he expects us to be people of prayer. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Now, that does not mean you shouldn't pray in public. It doesn't mean you shouldn't pray at, you know, in restaurants at your mealtime or whatever. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't go to the high school this evening at seven o'clock and pray for our schools. It just means that we should not pray just to be seen by others so that they'll think we're really, really righteous and holy. Like, what is our heart motivation to pray? Truly, I tell you, you have received, they have received their reward in full. If they're only doing it to be seen by others, then that's the reward they'll get. If they're only doing it for applause, the applause will happen. 
and applause will die, and then it'll be over, and that's the reward. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, he says. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. I just want you to wrap your mind around that thought for just a minute. God knows what you need before you ask Him. Parents, do you know what your kids need before they even ask you? Most of the time, right? When they get to be teenagers, it's a little sketchy then because you're not sure exactly what it is going on in their head. But for the most part, you know what your kids need because, you, because you've been there, right? You know, like, I know what it was like to be your age, you know, and your, your teenagers especially. Like, no, you don't. You don't understand. Well, yeah, I do. I understand. I get it. It's a little different back then, but, it, but you know, nothing's new under the sun. <laughs> it's basically the same. So I know what you need before you even ask. And so the Father in heaven knows what you need before you even ask him, but it's amazing how he still loves it when you come to him and ask him. And he loves providing the things that you need. Even simple little things that you need. The other day, I could not remember a detail. I was like, I know I'm supposed to be doing something. I can't remember what it was. And so I just got this crazy idea to just pray. <laughs> okay, God, I really can't remember. Would you help me remember? And, and what, however you want to do that, God, just make it happen. And so I was just, it was almost like this passage of Scripture that says, I lay my, my request before you, Lord, and I wait in expectation for you to answer. It's kind of fun. Really? You know, it's like, okay, God, boom, there it is. Do something with it, you know? Instead, I was like, I'll carry on. I'll just do my own thing. And then through somebody else, he gave me the answer. Something that wasn't a big deal, but it's like, whoa, it works. How many times have you felt like prayer works, but yet you sometimes forsake it? Isn't that crazy? Like, it, it really does work. God really is concerned about what I need in my life. It's amazing how that works. Something bigger. Um, we have a daughter that'll be 16 in a month. Pray for me even more. Because you know what that means, don't you? Driver's license, car, insurance, gas. Me worrying like crazy now times two because she's out there driving with her sister, you know? And, uh, and so we're like, we need a car. Um, I looked at the bank statement. <laughs> Looked at our savings account. That's not going to happen, at least by our own will. There's nothing we're going to be able to do about it that right, right now. So we began to what? Worry. No, we began to pray. And then we pray crazy stuff like, man, God, maybe somebody just give us a car. No, that's really too crazy. No way. No one's going to give us a car. That has happened before, though. <laughs> Some people have given us a car. And then we've given cars away. That's fun. I love giving cars away. That's exciting. That's awesome. Now, this is not a commercial or an advertisement for you to give me a car, by the way. You're like, I know what Brady's doing. He's setting us up right now. All right, no, that's not it. Because what happened was it wasn't exactly like us being given a car. Like we actually found a car 
through some friends. You know, most of the time, prayers are answered through other people. Did you, have you discovered that? Like God uses his children and people to bless other people. And you know what? Here's the deal. You're a part of that blessing too. You could be a blessing to other people. And so what happened was is we found this car, and then we figured out we, we weren't able to finance it through our credit union because of the age of the car and the mileage, all this other stuff. And then we found out that there was somebody that we loved dearly uh, made us a deal we couldn't refuse. He gave us a loan. It was a seven-year loan that basically we really don't have to pay back. <laughs> but he says the terms are seven years, and uh, just there you go. So somebody gave us a car just like that. And it's cool. And, and it's not that God is a genie. You know, don't rub the magic lamp and God will pop out and give you three wishes. It's, it's better than that. Because God knows what we need before we even ask him. And what we need is so much more important than what it is that we want. So then Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. That leads us into the, Father's, or the, the, um, the Lord's Prayer. Okay, so the, these are these words. And let's just, I'm going to read them and then we'll break them down just a little bit. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then later on, some manuscripts added, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. And then he goes on to say, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Let me just say that God takes this forgiveness piece very seriously. If Jesus was to mention it in Scripture, And he uses it in this prayer that has been prayed hundreds of times, thousands, millions of times throughout the the time that it was written, from that time till now. He expects us to forgive one another. And can we all just be honest? We're not very good at it. Marriages end because of this issue, because I cannot forgive you. I just can't let it go. And, and we just live with the bitterness and the anger and the resentment. I could preach till next week just about this one particular topic. Let's go back to the beginning. So our Father, so we know who we are. We're His children. It says in John, um, around the first chapter, that we, if we um, receive and believe in Him, that we're given the right to become the children of God. Like we become His. We, we have a, a different place now in the family. Like we can call Him Daddy. It's not the greatest of, of stories. The ending hasn't yet to come, but we adopted two children and it's been a struggle. But when they came into our home, we gave them our last name. I became their father. She became their mother. And they had access to everything that was ours. Our hearts, which can be painful sometimes our kitchen, our refrigerator, our home, whatever. Same thing. When we choose to believe in the one that he has sent, when we give our our hearts to Jesus, we become his children and we can call him our father. And we can call him our father together, like we're his family. 
Now, sometimes I'll break this down when I'm in my prayer time, and I'll say, my Father, and I'll say, you know, your kingdom come and will be done in my life, and I'll just make it personal. But this is a, a uh, family prayer that we pray together. Our Father. We know where God is located. I mean, he's everywhere, but he's higher than we are. He has a place other than this place. And he holds the universe that we live in, one of many, in his hand. And if you pull back billions of miles away, <laughs> all you can maybe see, or millions of miles away, all you can see is a little dot called earth. And that's us. And our Father in heaven, whose name is holy, whose name is set apart, whose name is different than any other name, is interested in us. And Jesus says that we can pray for his rule to come in our lives, his kingdom to come, his kingdom where, where it's, the king is a different kind of king. The king is good. His heart is good. His heart is pure. He wants what's best for us. It doesn't mean that he won't discipline us when we need to be disciplined. It doesn't mean it won't be hard sometimes, but it's a good king. And we pray for his kingdom, his rule to come, and his desires in our life to be done on earth, in our lives like it is in heaven. Perfect love and perfect unity and Perfect peace in heaven. And then he says this, this little, simple little phrase in verse 11. Once again, if you want to memorize Scripture and impress your friends, here's a great one. Give us today our daily bread. <laughs> hey, I can memorize the Bible verse. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, verse 11. Give us today our daily bread. It's bigger than that, right? It's bigger than just food. It's bigger than just like muffins. So it's give us today our daily muffins sounds good because there's some muffins over there on the table. <laughs> or give us today our daily bread with a little bit of sauce and some cheese on it and some pepperoni. That would be good. <laughs> That'd be real good. But it's like, give us today what it is that we need for today. Remember, your heavenly Father knows what you need before you even ask him. So when you ask for your daily bread, he's like, I know. I know you need that. And I'm going to provide it for you. may not look like what you think it's going to look like. It might be better <laughs> than what you ever imagined. Maybe it's not quite what you thought because I just want you to trust me. This is give us today our daily bread. And so I was thinking about this, um, this idea of not worrying. Let's just, let's just be real with one another. How many of us, we worry? We're anxious. We're, we, we worry about to the month that's left over after the money, you know, and we, we worry, how are my kids going to turn out? We worry that they're going to turn out like us. That's a real worry. <laughs> you know, I think about that. And so did Jesus teach about worry? Yeah, absolutely. If you just look over to the end of chapter 6, I won't read it all, but in the end of chapter 6, in verse 31, it says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For people who are not believers in me run after all these things, and your heavenly Father, once again, knows that you need them. But instead, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first his rule and what he wants, the right things for you in his life or in your life. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So think about this. I'm processing this yesterday as I'm, as I'm going throughout my day. 
and I go into Barnes & Noble, I'm looking for a particular book, and they didn't have it, and I ran across this book. I wish I could pop it up on the screen. This is, this, I ran across this book. This is the title of this book, Thinking About Not Worrying. The title of the book is, Help Me Jesus, I Have Nothing to Wear. And it's a picture of a woman, like just this distressed look on her. Now, I know this is a reality, ladies. I'm not dissing you in any way whatsoever. But help me, Jesus, I have nothing to wear. Like if that's the least, if that is your biggest worry for the day, then I, I want to be around you some more because your life is good. If that's it. Like I wrote a book. It's a thick book. And right next to it is God Loves Ugly. Now, that's good news. <laughs> That's good news for me. God loves me. I still say I have a better podcast face than I do a video face. But anyway, so help me, Jesus. I have nothing. Teenagers, you've prayed this prayer before, haven't you? Chelsea, come on now. I know you have. <laughs> Calling her out right here. Like, ladies, I know. And guys, you know, we struggle with that. I, I like to look nice. I like to wear, you know. Look, I got these. These are the first pair of jeans I've ever been able to find at a thrift store that actually fit me. This was, like, this was like jackpot. It was a bonus. I would dance through the store. They're my size. They fit and they look kind of cool. So yes, awesome. Help me, Jesus. I have nothing to wear. We don't have to worry because Jesus said, don't worry. I got you. I'll take care of those things for you. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. God is serious about this. Look at Matthew chapter 18. We'll stay in the book of Matthew. It's easy. Just turn the page. You, know, you notice we've never said turn your cell phone off. Well, I never said it up here, but I know sometimes we say it up there on the screen. But listen, you can have your phone. You can use your phone as a Bible if you have one. I like, I like to be able to hold my Bible in my hand, though. I like the way it smells. <laughs> I do. It smells good. Smells like Starbucks. <laughs> it does. You notice how you go out Starbucks and you you smell after. It's like all the like the oils or something. You know, you like. My wife's like, you've been to Starbucks, haven't you? Yeah, said, yeah. That's right. Listen to this. This is this is this. I want to just want you to just get this message. And I think this this could be um, this could be a game changer in so many areas of our life. Matt, Matthew eighteen verse twenty one. This idea of. I don't want to blow past the God forgive us of our sins because we, we can all go there daily and we need to. I know I can. God, just forgive me. You know my sin. God, you know what I need before I ask and you know my sin before I even mention it. But this forgiving those who have sinned against us is huge. So look what it says. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? I think I could do that. Seven, it's not a bad, that's a good whole holy number, you know, pretty, you know, number of completion there, seven times. Jesus answered, no, I'll tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, he says the kingdom, okay, so God's rule, the way he wants us to live, this kingdom that we want to come in our, in, on this earth is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. There's a king in heaven who wants to settle accounts with you today. And that scares some of us because we feel like we owe him too much. I've blown it so many times. I owe him so much. Like, I don't, 
I don't want to go before the king. I'm afraid. But see, this is a different kind of king, remember? It's not the king we're thinking of. This is a good king. A king that wants you to call him daddy. Yeah, sometimes as kids we go before our father. We know this is not going to be good, but I have to admit and be honest. But, but yet, when we go before the Lord who already knows, he's so gracious to us. He wants to settle accounts with you today. He wants to make things right with you today. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. Have you ever prayed that prayer before? Be patient with me, Lord, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. When Jesus died on a cross, he canceled your debt to let you go. That'll preach. And if I was in a black church, you'd say amen. Somebody can say amen. Amen, that was a, that was a really light amen. <laughs> Something better. Come on, give me, help me out a little bit, all right? All right, somebody can say Amen. Amen, thank you. Did you hear that on the recording? Yeah, good, all right. All the people in different countries can hear you say amen. But when that servant went out, so this man whose debt had been canceled, had been forgiven of everything, $10,000, bags of gold, which is probably worth more than $10,000, it says that when he went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 silver coins, pocket change he grabbed him began to choke him pay back what you owe me he demanded his fellow servant fell to his knees same thing and begged him be patient with me and i will pay it back but he refused instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt when the other servants saw what had happened they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened when the master called the servant in he said you wicked servant he said I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat you or treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. This is Jesus' words. He means it. It's not optional for us. If we can be forgiven by a holy God, perfect in all his ways, and he can cancel our debt and clean the slate and say as if it was never ever there before, like it never even happened, yet we hold stuff against our brothers and our sisters and our wives and our children. He says, you must be willing to forgive. This is necessary. And you think, well, I thought, Brady, you said God was a good God. He was loving and gracious. Yeah, but he's also a just God. And justice is when we get what we deserve. And we don't want to address that issue very often. But it is reality. So here's what I want to do this morning. Maybe, so this morning, this is the time of 
of reflection and kind of like, okay, what, is this, what does this mean to me? Maybe you've already discovered some things that it means to you. Are you, are you worrying all the time? Then maybe you need to pray and ask God to help you today with this issue of worry. Do you need forgiveness? Do you need your debt canceled this morning? Then ask the king. Beg the king to forgive you of your debts. Do you need to forgive others? Then do it. While you still have today, while you still have an opportunity, is it going to be uncomfortable? Yes. Does it mean you have to be humble? Yes. Does it mean they might not receive it? Yes. That's not, that's not up to you. That's between them and God. You must be willing. And God lead us not into temptation. God, please don't lead me into the desert and expect me to fast for 40 days and 40 nights and have to deal with the devil face to face. I, I don't want to do that. But maybe your prayer is, is God, help me to stay away from the things I know that are harmful to me. Help me to stay away from the things that have harmed me in the past, but yet I keep going back to them as if this time I won't be the same. And deliver us from the evil one. Our enemy is real. I mean, we've never had the devil himself stand in our face. Maybe you feel like it's been that way. But evil is real. And so we have to pray, God, deliver us from the evil one. So the, um, the worship team is going to come. We'll do this last song. So this morning, if you say, man, Brady, I just need, like, I really need someone to pray with me today. Okay, here's what we're going to do. I just want you to stay in your seat when, the, when they sing the song. But if you, if there's any particular area this morning that we've touched on, you say, I just need someone to pray for me today. Then I want you to just right where you're at, just put your hand up. And say, just someone would come and pray with me today. Do you think that the people who are trapped on a mountain, there's a couple over here. Do you think the people who are trapped on a mountain, do you think they're crying out and, asking, and praying with one another? I promise you they are. We don't have to be trapped on a mountain to pray for each other. Please don't let it get to that place in your own life. And say, you know what, I just, I don't care who knows, I just need someone to pray for me today. And you, if you want, you can pray right you're at or you guys can go out or whatever it is. But, so that's the invitation today, right where you're at. So you know what, I just need, in school, you know, you raise your hand because you have the answer. Here, you might say, I don't have the answer and I need some help. I just need someone to pray with me today. Obviously, I'd love to pray with you. We have people who love Jesus. Maybe the people around you, if you see somebody close to you, raise their hand. It doesn't have to be the pastor. We are, he's our father together. We're all in the same family. And so, um, just pray as we sing this song. So, just listen to the Lord and obey. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, all right, so what, what you do with it, it's yours. You know, it's like, God, what do you want me to do when I walk out of these doors? Um, how does this affect me? How does this change who I am? It might mean that you need to make a phone call. <laughs> Forgive someone or, um, or ask to be forgiven, you know. Maybe we need to make that first step and say, you know, I'm sorry. 
Those words are powerful. I'm sorry are two of the most powerful words in in, uh, the English language. It's hard to say them, but yet you cannot know Jesus without saying them. Like, God, I'm sorry. And then just let God touch you from there. Um, We do obviously give you an opportunity to give. Um, It's not out of coercion by any means. It's out of necessity because that's what we, we need funds to keep this ministry moving forward and and you don't have to go to Arizona and give online you can do it right here today (laughs) as you're leaving we're excited about that and then next week right after church uh, we're going to go have this picnic and just come just come ready to go come and bring your um, bring your swimsuit if you say you know I've never been baptized and I really feel like I need to just go under the water and come back up again identify myself with Jesus the water is going to be available and we'll just take all comers and my, it's, I'm sh- it's probably short-sighted, but uh, my daughters asked me, hey, Brady, what do you want for your birthday? I said, I just want to baptize at least five people. But maybe there's more than that that need to be baptized. Maybe I should have said, I'm going to turn 45, so I want to baptize 45 people, one for every year. That'd be a good goal. Makes it awesome. All right, so uh, if you say, hey, I want to sign up and help out and be volunteer here, you can do that on the table on the way out. Um, my wife, just like uh, when I bring my paycheck home, she's standing there with the basket ready to receive an offering. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> that works. She's like, put it right here. <laughs> and so uh, bless you uh, as you go and uh, as you learn to live forgiven and learn to forgive others. So bless you, and we'll see you next time. Thanks. Thanks.